giving our heads and other people of God say amen and amen. Let's give God a mighty clap offering this morning. It's a warm welcome to everyone who has come. You may take your seats and make sure you just greet your neighbor. I know we're having some restriction in uh, handshakes, but find a way to greet them. Even as you take your seat, smile at them and tell them that they are welcome in the house of the Lord this morning. So then are we, as we continue this morning, it's our privilege to uh, sit down and just listen to the word of God this morning. Even the Lord speaks to us. And I want to welcome our Father as he comes to share the word this morning. Even as I asked you to put up your hands together and welcome into the stage. Thank you. A very good morning to all of you. It's uh, indeed a great privilege to be here today. And uh, today we have announced there will be a first fruit offering. You can see some things already on the table. And uh, this is not something that uh, we do in order to force anybody to do something. This is an opportunity that uh, God gives to us so that he can bless us, so that he can be able to uh, allow us to walk in his footsteps. And this is what we want to talk about today. My subject today is uh, we are beneficiaries of the Father's giving. We are beneficiaries, all of us, of the Father's giving. And let me just read uh, a few verses from Scripture, uh, starting with Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. God has given us mercy. He has given us grace without limit. And God is asking us to emulate our Father. Verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the, measure, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a very important principle that God gives us here. Jesus has been speaking about, you know, the measure that we use to give others is the measure that God uses to give back to us. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brim over with new wine. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, then your barns, sorry, that was uh, Proverbs, that Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 35. We promise to bring the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple year after year, whether it be a crop from the soil or from the fruit trees. Nehemiah was rebuilding the city, uh, walls of Jerusalem, a lot of things were broken down. And not only was the city broken down, even the values that were established by God were equally broken down. And so Nehemiah is, uh, you know, making sure that he uh, addresses all these issues that were uh, neglected, including the giving, the first fruits uh, that belonged to the house of the Lord. Let me also read from the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 11. Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. This is a prayer of David. And he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore, we adore you. As the one who is over all things, wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. 
power and might are in your hand. And at your dis discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. I think that's a very important principle. Everything has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Let us pray. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your wonderful presence. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness, for your grace, for all the good things that you have prepared for us for today and for every day in our lives. So, Lord Jesus, we pray as you speak to us, may we be able to understand your heart, may we understand the love that is behind everything that you do. Lord Jesus, we adore you for your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So my theme today is we are beneficiaries of the Father's giving. Just imagine what we are you know, able to uh, live in, what we are able to experience every single day. When we came here this morning, the sun was shining over us. And I was wondering, you know, uh, this sun that we are experiencing is not just experienced by me only, but by everyone in our world. You know, God has given us so many powerful riches. We are the beneficiaries of what God has created. You know, heaven and earth and the universe, everything God has created for our good. You know, many people do not understand that, do not uh, you know, fully capture that fact that everything that there is, is actually given to us by our God. In fact, everything that God has created, he has created for our good. Now you may be wondering, uh, what good is it for me, uh, you know, if there is a far galaxy somewhere in the universe, has that got any bearing on me? Well, uh, we may not see it now, but I can assure you that many of the things that are happening in the universe has got a bearing even on us here on Earth. And we can be able to discover, we can be able to explore. You know, God has given us so much room to check out the things that God has uh, laid into his creation. So we are very, very uh, uh, blessed. So God gave us us, and we are benefiting from this earth every single day. We can sow and we can reap because this is the principle that God has laid into this earth. You know, when God created, he created everything with a seed in it so that it can be able to reproduce. And this is the principle that can bring us, uh, you know, abundance, that can bring us wealth, that can make us uh, having a harvest uh, year after year and not just, you know, uh, in one part of the year because, you know, somehow around the, 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 the year uh, you can have different kind of crops that you can be planting and that you can be harvesting from. So God is a good God. And this principle of, uh, of uh, giving, God giving us this earth, God giving us the soil, God giving us the seed is very, very powerful because it... it it flows into uh, the riches of every uh, society here on earth. So God's amazing love has brought all of this into existence. Okay? Not only the crops, but the fish in the sea, the creatures on the ground, the birds in the air, everything is there for us. When you eat chicken, Remember, God created chickens. 
When you eat fish, remember God created the fish. When you eat tibon, remember God created the creatures, the animals that this comes from. And so we, we, we should give God thanks. Even when we don't have this, uh, these meats, you know, we should still thank God because even millimil comes from God's creation. Everything there is is given to us by our God. We can enjoy God's creation around us and we can enjoy God's creation within our community because God is a good God. God has given each and every one of us different kind of gifts and talents and you can enjoy the very gifts that God gave to you as an individual because every one of us has been you know, given wonderful and good things by our God. Now the question is, we have benefited from, from the Lord. But my question to you today and to me is, who has benefited because you or I have given? You know, when God gave, we all benefited. When God created the world, we all benefited. But God also wants us to emulate his giving. And that is, I think, very, very clearly coming forth in scripture, even the ones we read today. You know, when we give, are we giving for selfish reasons so that we benefit ourselves? Or are we giving so that, you know, others will benefit? And I think this is really important. That's why the Bible is talking about the measure we use to give to others is the measure God uses to give back to ourselves. And so let's uh, learn to be givers in the kingdom of God. Okay? Let God guide you what he would love to, what he would love you to give. Because for sure God has got an interest in seeing us becoming givers just like he is a, a giver. Even when you cannot expect anything back, you should still learn to give because that's how God has given to us. Just look around in the world. Not everybody who has been given the wonderful gift of God, forgiveness and, uh, you know, the, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, has actually accepted that gift. But God still gives. And he gives to everyone who will receive it by faith. So giving is a powerful force that changes everything. The world suffers from conflicts because people and nations want to take. Okay, we always want to take. And when you want to take, very often it's taking away from somebody else. You know, if you have worked for something and you take it, that's fine. But often, you know, you see in our world that, you know, certain individuals or certain nations, they want to take something that belongs to somebody else already. Okay? The Bible tells us a story where there was a rich man, and uh, when the rich man had a visitor, he wanted to prepare a meal for the rich man. And because he was too greedy, he didn't want to sacrifice any one of his own uh, livestock, he went to a poor man who had only one, uh, one animal, okay? And he says, you must give me this to me. And he took it away from him, you know, and uh, the, the rich man slaughtered the, the only one uh, animal from the poor man. That's why there is conflict in our world, you know, because we, we don't want to share what we have been given, but we would rather take and even take away from others. So conflicts are surrounding us because we violate God's principle of giving, okay? God loves giving. You know, everything that he has done from creation it's because he loves giving. It's a wonderful uh, principle that we see in the nature of God and that God wants to become our nature as well. 
So God has provided so much for each and everybody. And you know, some people have become very rich and there's nothing wrong with becoming rich as long as you know what the riches are for, okay? Not for you to brag and throw around your, your, your weight, but God gives us resources in order to build his kingdom, in order to help those who are in need, in order to reach out so that others who are in a different situation than yourself can be able to benefit from. <clears throat> now, let me give you a hint. You know, if you are in, in bad books with somebody, you know, if you don't get along with somebody, why don't you try giving, okay? Make a good gift to that person who seems to be uh, not flowing in your, in your same way. Uh, I'm not saying it will always resolve the problem because, you know, God gave his son and not everybody has accepted it. But very often it can change situations in life. It can change the trajectory of a human being when we give. You see, love, love always finds ways of giving, isn't it? Love is beautiful. And I think those of, of you who have ever been in love, if you have been in love before, and I hope so. Okay, have you? Okay, when you are in love, hey, you, you, you try to think, what can I, what can I give? What would uh, lift uh, the countenance of my friend? What would make my friend happy? What would uh, happen if I, if I give this or the other? And, and that's exactly what we should do, you know? We should always look for ways and means to give, because God is a giver. He loves giving, and he will never get tired of giving. Likewise, we as his children, we must emulate the nature of our heavenly Father. So, when you give somebody who has, you know, estranged from you, somebody who didn't get along with you, you can make him or her a friend. And wouldn't that be nice? Maybe you have got some people on mind right now who are, who are not getting along with very well. It may be your fault or somebody's fault. I'm not saying you need to look for faults because if you look for faults, you will never, you will never get anywhere. You will only start accusing. No, don't look for faults, but just look for how you can find the remedy of love. And, you know, giving shows love, okay? And when you give, don't expect a certain outcome immediately, you know. Give because you want to give. Give because you love. If that gift is received and it is uh, returned to you with the same love, then you have been able to make a friend or a brother or a sister. Wouldn't that be good? That's very practical, you know. You don't even have to dip your, your hand very deep in your pocket in order to give something good to somebody that you have difficulties to get along with. You know, a small note, a small card, some flowers, or something of any kind, you know, can be able to do wonders. And remember, uh, it's not just when you have got something against somebody else. The Bible says when you go and you sacrifice your, your, your gift uh, and you realize somebody has got something against you, it's not your fault, it's somebody, you know, whatever happened, then leave your gift and do something about that person. Maybe reach out to that person, give a gift to that person, and you may be amazed of what God is going to do. So remember, giving is a powerful force that changes everything. When God started giving, eh, it changed everything in this world. When he gave, you know, he gave creation, he gave life, he gave light, he gave uh, all the creatures. Everything in this world was changing. Now, multitudes of people are only looking for benefits 
that are offered here on earth. And I'm not saying that's wrong, you know. Uh, in fact, God wants us to trust God that he is a rewarder of those who trust him, who believe in him. So that's good. This world can give you a good life because God has created all of the things that we find in the time of our life. Okay? Your life should be good. It should not be, uh, you know, poverty stricken. It should not be uh, bondage. It should not be depressed by sin. Your life is meant to be good here on earth. Okay? And as I said, many people, they think this is all there is. So they are trying to get as much as they possibly can because they are only looking at what the world offers. But God decided that we become not only beneficiaries of creation, but beneficiaries of the God life. Okay? That's more than just uh, having... Uh, all kind of things in this earth. If you read about some of the rich people on earth, you know, you find that some people have even bought whole islands because they want to enjoy the goodness what the earth has to offer. Okay? Imagine you have your own island and you fly there with your own plane and you enjoy with your own friends. Well, if you can't do that, don't worry. It's not something that we should really, you know, aspire to. What we should aspire to is, you know, see the goodness of God in our life. Yes, and you don't need an island for that. You can experience it every day. You know, if you take a trip to uh, Victoria Falls and uh, enjoy, you know, the creation of God, it already can make you very thankful. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you wonder, you know, how God has created all these wonderful things so well. Uh, there are many places, many things that we can be able to enjoy in our lives without necessarily flying around the world and uh, getting ourselves an island somewhere. No, actually, there's something better that God has for us. God has decided that he would share his life with us. That's what the Bible calls eternal life. It's also called a life that never ends, okay? That is there for us. You know, not only while we are here on earth, but even when we leave this earth, we are able to live in that. We are called sons of the living God because we are adopted into the family of our Father in heaven. And you know, this is really powerful. God has chosen to adopt you and me into his family. And, you know, as much as this world may be able to give you, and you may be able to enjoy, and that's okay, but uh, God wants more for us than that. Because what is in God's world can never even compare what is in this physical world. We know this world is a good world in many, in many uh, instances, you know, when we look at creation, when we look at the sunshine, when we look at the, uh, the, the sunsets, you know, there can be so many beautiful uh, pictures taken, and, and that is great. But it's a fallen world, so it's not a perfect world. But God wants to take us into the world in which he lives. And the world in which he lives is perfect is without any shortcoming, without any fault. And of course, that's why we are here on earth, because before he would take us into, into his world, God had to test us. God had to undertake a number of uh, issues in order to make sure whether we are really devoted to him or we are not devoted to him. Because God wanted us to have our choice and make that choice so that we can be able to live our lives according to that choice. Now, the scripture that we all know very, very well is uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. And because we know it so well, sometimes we miss out some very important things in that scripture. Okay, so let me just read it and not just end with verse 16, but go up to verse 18. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, for this is how God 
loved the world. Okay? Very interesting, you know? This is how God loved the world. So if you want to know how to love, then analyze this scripture. This is how God loved the world. He gave, okay? Loving is followed by giving. Amen? And not just giving scrap, not just giving the, the, the least thing that you can think of, but giving the best. Okay? And the Bible says, he gave his one and only son. Giving the first that you have, the best that you have, the greatest that you have. That's what God gave. Okay? He gave us his son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. So in other words, the giving of God makes us beneficiaries of what he's giving. Okay? In the natural world, Yes, we are benefiting from the sunshine, we are benefiting from the rain, we are benefiting from the seed time and harvest time, you know, and many other things that we, we uh, see daily in our, in our creation. But when God gave his son, he didn't only want us to be partakers of what is in this world, but he wanted to be, us to be partakers of what is in his world, what is you know, present in God Almighty. And you know, uh, the world of God is so amazing, far greater than we can ever, uh, you know, fully understand. So that every son, everyone who believes in him will not, have, will not perish but have eternal life. So God does not want us to perish. And you know, despite the good creation that we see here in this world, there are a lot of people who are perishing. I mean, if you, if you just switch on the news, if you read the newspapers, you see so many people perishing each and every day. But God wants us to have life that will not end when we are leaving this world. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that powerful? Okay, we all know that we are not perfect. We all know that when we look into the mirror, there are certain uh, things that we would love to be changed. We would love to be different. And uh, when we are honest and we look at our heart, when we look our, at our actions, sometimes they are not really perfect. Sometimes we compromise. We do things that we do not supposed to do. But God did not come with a big stick and say, okay, I'm going to deal with you now. No, but he sent his son full of love so that he can give us his life. He's not here to judge us. He's giving us that overwhelming life that comes from our God. He came to save us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And verse 18 says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? There is no judgment for anyone who believes in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, you must understand this is a, a spiritual dimension, not the earthly dimension. It's a spiritual dimension. If you steal, you can still be judged. Okay? But what we must understand is that our life in sin, our selfishness, our own, you know, human nature that has so often let us down, that is being dealt with by Jesus Christ through the salvation that has come from above. So there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Imagine, God gave his first, his best, his only son. Okay, that's a true first fruit. And when people came on the earth, you know, and... Uh, 
they learned from the living God. You know, Adam and Eve, of course, they missed it out. Uh, but their sons, Cain and Abel and the many other uh, sons and daughters that they had, they were taught the things that Adam and Eve had taught God. Had, uh, God had taught them, rather. Okay? And so, uh, Abel, as well as Cain, they knew what they were supposed to do when the time came to sacrifice before the Lord. Okay, in Genesis chapter 4 verse 3, we read, when it was time for harvest, okay, praise the Lord, there's always a harvest waiting for us. God has a harvest for each and every one of us. Okay, and when your harvest comes, okay, maybe you are saying, but I didn't plant any, any maize, I didn't plant any, any orange tree, I didn't plant any uh, banana tree or whatever the case may be. Uh, but if you're working, then there's a harvest. You know, when your salary comes out, there's a harvest which comes to you. Okay? And uh, we need to just be able to see that God is really a God who takes good care of us. Now, uh, Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 says, When the time for the harvest came, okay, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So they knew, you know, you don't just receive a harvest, you give God thanks. Okay, you, you, you give a first fruit, you praise God because of the harvest that he has provided for you. Okay? Verse 4, Abel also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So in other words, there is a, a giving that God accepts, and there can be a giving that God does not accept. Okay, we must understand that. You know, uh, you, you have heard of, of, of all these uh, people who are told, no, lift up your, your bunny, you know, hold it in your hand and, uh, you know, give it and then you will, you will become rich. You know, you will get a mansion or, you know, God will return this and this to you. Let me tell you, this is not the way we should give. God is not a vending machine, as I said so many times before. You know, he's not just a press a button and you put your coins and then all of the things that you want, they will come down underneath. No, God is a God who looks at our hearts. With what kind of a heart are we giving? Are we giving to impress others? Are we giving to uh, have a return from the giving? Then that giving is not, is not the giving that God is looking for. You see, the giving that God is looking for is a selfless giving. It's a giving of the very best that you have. And Abel understood that. Now, Abel and Cain, they were trained by the same parents, okay? So what Abel knew, also Cain must have known. And when you read further on that scripture, you'll find out that God speaks to Cain, and uh, he asks him, why are you so dejected? And God says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? So in other words, Cain knew what was right, okay? But he didn't want to do what was right. He, what was, he wanted to do what was in his head, okay? What he felt was good enough. And God said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it. Unfortunately, Cain never ruled over the sin that he could easily have been able to rule over. Okay, if he had done the right thing. But instead of doing the right thing, you know, he got annoyed. And you know, being annoyed is never a good thing in life. There are so many people who are living with anger. There are so many people, even Christians, who are living with a heart that is, that is in uproar because of others. Okay, maybe even brothers and sisters. You know, that is not a good way of living. There are many people who are living in the same house, but they can't see eye to eye. 
you know, whether it's siblings or even spouses. It's a reality. You know, the other day I saw uh, an article one of our brothers has sent me of how many people have applied for divorce uh, once again. You know, and it is, it is heartbreaking because marriage is good. God has mended well for you to, have, to give you a spouse, to give you a partner who is there for you. And yet we can't make it work. And you know, uh, marriage is not uh, a mystic thing which you say, oh yeah, it's working. It, it, you know, it's the right kind of, of, of person. Do you know that most of the movies, I don't know these days, but it, when, when I was young, you know, most of the movies, they ended with a happy end. And two people fell in each other's arm and ah, the, the world was so beautiful, so good. Okay? But then that is not love, okay? That is just the beginning of uh, maybe a relationship. The question is, what, you, what are you making out of that finding each other? You know, what are you making marriage to be? Because marriage will always be a result of your work that you put in. It's never a mystic thing. Oh, yeah, I got a good marriage. No, you got a good marriage because you make your marriage good. Okay? And that's what some people don't understand. They come with a very flimsy excuse. No, I, uh, she doesn't love me anymore. Or he doesn't love me anymore. Or I don't love her anymore. You know, that, that is nonsense. Love needs to be, you know, fit. You need to put... Uh, uh, feeding stuff into the, into the fire, okay? Like if you, you have a fire and you don't put new locks in, into the fire, eventually it will burn down and will go off. Am I right? So love needs to be fed. Love needs to be always kept burning at the highest degree. And you know, if it gets a little cool, then there is, uh, there is need for you to get some new locks and put it into the fire. That's the love that God wants us to have. So God has given us his love. It is available. But sometimes our love is growing cold. And this is what the Bible tells us, you know, in scripture very clearly, that many have become cool or their love has grown cold to our Lord and God. Okay? And God is not interested in cold love. You know, cold love is no love. Okay? Your love must be burning. Your love must be on fire. Your must, love must really be able to, to go to the utmost that, it's, that it is uh, able to. And, and you know, God's love has no limits. And uh, when the love of God is really burning in our heart, uh, there are so many things we can be able to do without anyone to stop us. So God loves us. And we need to emulate his love by learning how to keep the love going. And giving is one of the things that we, that we do because we love. Let me, let me give you once again the, 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 you know, the example of, of fire. Okay? You know, when, I was in, when we were in Germany... Recently, it was very, very cold. Minus 10 degrees, and uh, you know, it's not something that you like to enjoy. So we were always trying to find the place where to warm each other, warm up again, you know. And uh, uh, our son has got a very nice uh, oven in his house. Okay, and you know, it's 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 a beautiful, uh, a beautiful heat. So he puts that, those locks into the, into the oven. And when he puts the locks into the oven, that means he feeds the fire, okay? Then it becomes very warm, very even hot. So in other words, the fire will give heat. The fire will give warmth. And that's how love is supposed to be. You know, when we feed our love, it will naturally give, okay? You can't help it. Love that is on fire will be able to make people warm, make people smile, make, be, make people happy because of the heat that is there. So there cannot be any animosity 
in such a relationship because you just feel so good. Okay? So feed the fire. Feed your love. And it will be able to benefit other people around you in many wonderful ways. So as sons, and God has, you know, called us sons, made us sons, adopted us to be sons, all of us, whether we male or female, it doesn't matter because in, in, in Christ there is now no more male or female, but we are all one in Christ. Okay? So we all become heirs and partakers of his divine glory. So in other words, there's no limit what God is ready and willing to share with us and give to us. And that's amazing. So let's understand how God is looking to do us good. Do us good ever, every day. God's giving is unlimited because he is unlimited. Okay, we are human beings. We are not unlimited. We have a beginning, we have an end. But when our end comes, we are entering in, into his unlimited economy and we are able to share what God is giving us here on earth. So God gives in an unlimited way and we should not limit ourselves to only small portions of what God is giving. Now, many people do that, you know. They are saying, okay, I, I'm happy because Jesus has saved me, but, you know, God says you are an heir. You are to be a partaker of his divine glory. You must not just take a portion of what God has offered you, but every day, you know, we should discover greater things, new things that God wants to give to us. You know, being an heir means you become an owner, okay? Because God makes you an heir. He is not just making us slaves who get good gifts, but we are heirs of God, joined heirs with Christ. So everything that is, you know, benefiting Christ is benefiting us. We are partakers of his wonderful and divine glory. Paul says in Galatians 2, 2 verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So God's grace, God's sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ gave us everything to live a godly life. And that is what we should learn to live. Like Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the, 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 the trajectory of mankind changed when Jesus came into this world. Okay, before that, yes, of course, there were prophets. Yes, there was uh, a call to, Abra to Abraham that uh, was given a promise uh, about salvation, about his seed that would uh, be able to touch every nation on the earth. Uh, and then, of course, prophets were speaking about it, were looking forward to that, uh, th that time when uh, the Savior would be able to come. And so we have a thick book in the Old Testament which testifies about what God has been speaking about uh, to his people. Now, Jesus is God's gift to the nations as was promised to Abraham. Okay? Because Jesus, I mean, God the Father spoke to Abraham and says, in you, in your seed, all nations shall be blessed. And the fulfillment of that seed, it's not a, a, a seeds in plural, but it's a seed in singular. And that seed was Christ. Because in him, all the nations 
are able to receive the blessings of God. Okay, that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, even the people of Israel, they did not understand that. They, they felt like they are better than the others. And that was a wrong thinking, you know, because they were meant to become a blessing. And unfortunately, they didn't become that blessing. But when Christ came, he became that blessing. He is the seed of Abraham, and he changed all other things. Today, we count the years in our timekeeping after the birth of Christ. We have a BC before Christ and an AD after Christ, okay? After Domini, under Domini, Domini. okay? So, uh, Jesus changed the whole world. Everything was there before was in the Old Testament time. And now, after Jesus came, it is in the New Testament time, in the fulfillment of what God has promised in the Old Testament. And thank God we are able to be beneficiaries of everything that God has been able to give to us. There is no nation on earth today where the gospel has not been heard. No nation, okay, and you remember the Bible says that the gospel has to pre be preached around the world and every nation has to be able to hear the gospel. And I believe that, you know, uh, in every nation there are people who have received Christ and who have followed him. And that is wonderful. So why, do, why does God put so much emphasis on all the nations? Okay, we, we, we have heard of... Uh, all the animosities that is between people's groups and you know how people are fighting each other. You know, sometimes the closest people, uh, they are the, the worst enemies. You know, like we see in the Middle East, we see the people of Israel who are claiming to be sons of Abraham and we are seeing the Palestinians who are also claiming to be sons of Abraham but they are able to kill each other. There's so much hatred in in, in, in that relationship, okay? And yet, God wants all nations to be redeemed, all nations to hear the gospel, the good news. Because, you know, just like God made a variety of different flowers, and all flowers, you know, are part of the whole thing that God has created. And God does not want to miss anything out of it. Every flower has its own beauty, okay? I've only got a few here, some red roses, some yellow roses, and some other uh, flowers. You know, beautiful. Everything is beautiful. But then God created such a variety, and most of the variety of God's creation we don't even know. We have never even seen it. Maybe when you watch some of the nature, the videos about nature and uh, animals, you will see some of the things you wonder, wow, never seen that, never known that these things exist. And you know, God wants all of these things that he created to be redeemed. All of the people that, you know, are born into this world, he wants every nation to be represented in the presence of God Almighty. The Bible tells us, you know, when we read the book of Revelation that before the throne of God, people from every tongue and every nation will stand before the throne of God. Hey, this is amazing. Why does God want every nation to be represented? Because he loves every nation. He loves every tribe. He loves every, every language that we speak. Okay? Because he's the one who, who, who kicked it off, who brought it into being. Of course, there comes a time when we are able to understand every tongue. Okay? Remember Babylon made the tongues become, you know, misunderstood or not understood at all. But when we are in the presence of God, you know, all the tongues will be able to flow together once again and we will be able to express the very, the very intent of God that he put inside of our lives. And that will be beautiful. There will be a glory which we cannot Im imagine. 
You know, when there is a group of people, maybe four, five, six people, who are really flowing together, there's joy, there's happiness. There are many good things which are going to happen. When we were attending the wedding of our nephew, you know, uh, there was a group of maybe about, uh, I think about 20 people, and they were really put together in a bond of uh, a relationship, love and kindness and goodness, you know, through uh, their faith and through uh, their relationship. And, uh, and, and, and it was amazing what they were able to do uh, during that, that wedding because they were all supporting that couple, okay? Because they were in that relationship together. And now imagine, when we are finally before the throne of God, not 10 people, not 20, not 100, not 1,000, but everyone in this big wide world standing before the throne of God and giving God praise in our tongues, in our language, it will be a glorious thing, you know. And it will show, you know, that the giving of our Father in heaven was not in vain. He gave and he saw and he will see many good things growing out of that seed that he has been sowing. So we are privileged in wonderful ways. Because God has a plan that needs to unfold. A plan that is beautiful, that is wonderful that makes every person to be recognized on his or her own value, okay? We're not looking down at others because they are different than us. We're not bringing a division because they're not speaking my language or, my, or they're not uh, following my traditions. No, we are all bringing this together and it will be an amazing array of splendor that God is going to put together. So, we're looking forward to that day, you know, looking forward to that greatness that God brings about. Now, the father's giving of his son made all of these possible, okay? All of these things I've just mentioned, they become possible because God gave his son. God gave the best that he had, his firstborn, okay? Uh, his only son. And today we call him the firstborn son. Now, we have the privilege to learn from the example that God has given to us, how God gave, the Father gave, how Jesus gave his own life. Okay? Let me read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 32. The Bible says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ died for us, and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for all of us. And in him, all the wonderful gifts that God has you know, endowed his son with, they are also ours. We are joint heirs with Christ. Now, we have the privilege to learn these things about the Father, about the Son. But we must not only be hearers of the Word, but we must be doers of the Word. So we must be following the example of how God was giving. And I want to ask you, imagine, or try to imagine, can you imagine what you can achieve through your giving? It's amazing, okay? It can affect people's life. It can be able to give them a new hope, a new beginning. You know, when we give them Christ, you, you, you may not 
be able to have anything to influence their lives with uh, worldly goods. But if you give the love of God, if you give the good news, the gospel, you can do a lot. And if you have money, you can influence the life of young people who have got no parents, you know, people who are living without hope because nobody takes them to school. You can affect the lives of people. And this is one of the greatest joy that I have when I see that some of our uh, young people who have been in our home, in our children's home, uh, are growing up and graduating and uh, able to, you know, to join their friends to live this life in fullness, not beginning life that is meaningless, that makes no sense. So our giving can change lives, not only for this time, and of course this time is also good, giving them a good education, giving them a good future, but giving people a chance to live an everlasting life for eternity to come. So you who are God's children already, you know, then you should be able to understand how much God has given to you, how much God has done in order to make you where you are today. He forgave us. We are able to sing songs of joy and happiness because we are the children of the Most High God. So God wants us to be a positive force in this world just like Christ, our Savior, became the wonderful seed into the world that changed everything, that changed the trajectory of the, of the nations. You see, the New Testament has affected uh, nations as a whole. And even if many nations today are no longer living according to the word, but many of the value systems have been entrenched in cultures and societies, and that's what we need to do even in our own society. We need to entrench not the rules that we have learned from our forefathers, you know, that are, you know, uh, damaging each other, you know, like, like uh, uh, property grabbing and things like that. We need to remove these kind of value systems and put the value system of love into our nation. You know, that we don't take from others but that we give. You know, corruption has a very easy solution, and that's love, true love, okay? Divine love, God love, so that you're not looking for something that is not supposed to be yours, uh, that will somehow taking something away from somebody else, even if nobody, you know, is immediately feeling the loss. But if we take it from uh, from uh, the system, you know, sooner or later it will trickle down and it will make everybody poorer. So God wants us to be givers. And givers is what our world needs today. Love is what our world needs today. You know, we have our theme this year and the Bible tells us love never fails. Okay? We could exchange the word love with Jesus and we can say Jesus never fails. And we think sometimes the man of this world will let you down, but Jesus never fails. Amen? And that's a fact. Okay? But can we become like Jesus? Can we be able to, you know, uh, let our love flow like Jesus allowed his love to flow into this world? Imagine, there were only a few people, a handful of people. When Jesus died at the cross, there were only 11 of his disciples left. One had committed suicide, that was Judas. There were only 11 people left. Of course, there are others who were around Jesus and learned from Jesus, but only 11 of the original disciples were left, and they became... Apostles. An apostle simply means they were sent by God. Go into all the worlds and preach the good news. That's what made an apostle. 
So I can make you an apostle by sending you. Okay? And uh, you are truly an apostle because you are being sent. Amen? Uh, of course, God has apostles in the church that are able to lay down foundations and things like that. But God sends us into the world with his love, with his kindness, with his goodness. And imagine these 11 people turned the world upside down. Okay? Or maybe I should better say right side up because the world was upside down. Okay? And, and, and amazing things began to happen uh, in this world because of the gospel. In fact, in a few hundred years, okay, the world was affected by, to such an extent that uh, the Roman emperor declared Christianity to be the, the prevailing uh, faith in, in, in the Roman Empire. And of course, that means a lot because the Roman Empire was full of, uh, of all kind of adultery and all kind of uh, uh, evil stuff. So we can change the world. Love can change the world. Just imagine. God has given us a wonderful place where we stay, where we live, a land that was even declared Christian. Hopefully, we should be following the examples and the rules of Christ in our life. Okay? Let's learn to be beneficiaries of people who are around us. And once again, I want to ask this question. Who is benefiting from what you are giving? Is there any beneficiary? Have you ever given? Okay, I know many of you are keeping children from your relatives. That's great. That's a gift. That's giving. I know many of you have been doing things beyond your own interest, and that's a wonderful thing. But let us learn to become givers so that others can benefit, like we all benefit from the love of God, like we all benefit every single day from the wonderful gifts of God, you know, in the natural as well as in the supernatural. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that we can be able to observe and learn how you have given your very, very best, how you gave your one and only son. Before you gave your son, you had given so much already in creation. You had given so much of your light and your life to mankind on earth. And uh, you created a universe that is absolutely amazing. But then, that was not enough for you. You gave the best, your own son, so that that which was living on earth that you have created will live in the right way, will not go selfish ways, will not go astray, will not be lost, but will be found. You are the good shepherd who is following the one who is lost. And Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you have followed each and every one of us and that you have received us into your wonderful kingdom of love. So Lord Jesus, today we are thankful that we can learn this lesson of giving and Lord Jesus, help us to feed our fire of love with more of uh, the locks that we have been supplied today to put into the fire so that really we will be able to bring warmth, bring heat, bring life, bring light into the world around us. So we give you glory, Lord Jesus, and we thank you 
for all that you do in our individual lives. And I give you honor, Lord Jesus, that you touch our lives. Lord, that you challenge even those who have not yet been givers, have not become givers as yet. Lord, let us be all learning to give and put it into practice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.